Thank you, Barry, and um, uh, it's uh, great to be able to have the privilege to share God's Word. And it'll literally be God's Word this morning, as uh, you'll find out in just a minute. But first, before we read God's Word, uh, let's just have the first slide up and ask, are you making plans? And have you got a list? Have you got a few things in mind? A New Year's resolution, perhaps? which might last to the 15th of uh, January, perhaps. Yes, I remember I, um, uh, Daria and I took out membership of the local gym. I think we managed a month, but um, as you can see. Uh, but nevertheless, it'll, it'll be a new challenge. We'll do it again this year, at least I've, I'll have a go. But, uh, it's very easy how we plan for our physical well-being, and we've been praying for prosperity and things, And we look at our bodies and our lives and the things we own. What about spiritual New Year's resolutions? What are you doing for your soul? Jesus said, what will it profit a man or woman if he gain the whole world and lose their own soul? It is the most important thing. And the challenge this morning for us all is, what resolutions are we planning for the real thing that lasts, our precious soul, our spiritual life. And um, so I'm going to suggest something that I'm going to encourage you to eat more. I am going to encourage you to drink much, much more of God's Word. And Jesus said these words in John's Gospel chapter 4, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. My food is to do the will of my Father. And he said to the woman at the well in the same chapter, whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst again. That is the water of life of God's Word. So I'm setting you a challenge this morning, and I'm going to see who's up to it. Next slide. Who will join me in reading through the Bible And so when we stand together in this church on the 30th or 31st, it will be, of 2019, you will have completed the entire Bible from cover to cover. It is possible, and I'm going to show you to do that, how how you can learn to, to do that. But let's get down to the Bible. Let me introduce you to the Bible. This is the Bible here, and uh, we are going to put the reading on the screen But I'm going to invite you all to grab that book in front of you called the Bible. And I want you to each, there's there's 65 people here this morning and only 50 copies of the Bible. So please share them around a bit if you can. But there's nothing beats getting to the real Bible. And if you take it and open it just about the middle, you should find it falls close to the Psalms. And then if you spin to page 577 you will find in there Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the Bible with 176 verses. And we're going to read every single one of the first 16 verses. But I said, we are going to read it. I'm in my Ronnie Barker chair, whatever the the Ronnie Corbett chair this morning, uh, because I want to be close to you because we're going to read it together. And we're going to read it the way they may well have read it when it was originally written. Hebrew poetry doesn't go with, you know, I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high or veils and hills and all this and and rhymes. Hebrew poetry does what's called parallelism. 
that each verse has two lines in it of Hebrew poetry. One line expresses a thought, and the second line either reinforces it, elaborates on it, or even contrasts that thought. And the way it would have probably been read out is that somebody would have read the first line of the poem, in this case, the first half of each of these verses. The congregation would have read the second half, which is exactly what we're going to do. I will read the first half of each of these verses, and if you collectively please read the second half, just as they would have done it, and think as you read it. So, Psalm 119 on page 577 of the Old Testament starts, Happy are those whose way is blameless. Happy are those who keep his decrees. Who also do no wrong. You have commanded your precepts. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast. Then I shall not be put to shame. I will praise you with an upright heart. I will observe your statutes. How can young people keep their way pure? With my whole heart I seek you. I treasure your word in my heart. Blessed are you, O Lord. With my lips I declare. I delight in the way of your decrees. I will meditate on your precepts. I will delight in your statutes. Together, can we pray... Look down to verse 18 and pray together. Open my eyes so that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And amen to that. You've just read from the Bible and you're holding one in your hands. Isn't it nice to have a real book? Most of us have little iPads and things like that with apps on them. But here we've got God's word. Just a couple of things. What is the Bible for? This psalm tells us everything. Happy are those whose way is blameless, it says in verse 1, who walk in the law of the Lord. The first point is reading the Bible is meant to change your and my behavior. We don't just take the words and rant through them. It's meant to create a change of some kind. Verse 3, they also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. That change in behavior is for the better, avoiding wrong and doing right. Verse 9, that change is for purity. How can young people keep their way pure by guarding it according to your word? And that applies just as much to us oldie folk as well. Purity is the change that God expects.
to bring about if you expose yourself to his word and read it and let it infiltrate your very being. And then we go further down to verse 11. I treasure your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. The purpose of reading the Bible is to understand about sin, what it is, how horrible it is. We discover later what Jesus has done for it, but to keep us from sin. So it's there to make changes. And if you were to cast your minds across to James chapter 1, it's on page 226 of the New Testament, but keep your finger in Psalm 119. I ain't finished there yet. 226 in the New Testament, verse 22 of chapter 1, be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. How easy it is to say, well, we've heard the Bible and read it today and walk away and forget it. And James goes on to say that any hearers of the word are not doers. They are like those who look at themselves in a mirror for they look at themselves and on going away, immediately forget what they were like. They're like your mother. They stare in the mirror and a little dot or a pimple and she's got all the, um, pod, all the lumpy stuff of the day to put over it to disguise it. In other words, action is taken when you see things that are wrong. You don't just look at it and walk away. You do something about it. The Bible is the most practical of books, and so we're warned of all these things. Just have another quick look back with me at Psalm 119. Now, some versions of the Bible make this a bit easier than others. There are 176 verses, and you notice that after eight verses, there's a little gap. Every eight verses, there is a small gap. You see that? Some of you have got a different version of the Bible, might even have a Hebrew character in there between each of these verses. The reason is there are 22 sections in Psalm 119 of eight verses each. Each of those sections of eight verses, every verse begins with a word that starts with, in the case of the first eight, the letter Aleph, or A, and then so on. The letter Gimel is the next one, not, not B, but if we, if we were doing it, it'd be 26 long, and there'd be A, B, C, D, E. Each verse starts with a, a letter of the alphabet, and then the next eight verses start with the next letter of the alphabet. Why do you think the Hebrews may have written that way? So they could memorize it. It's a mnemonic. They could memorize and recite all 176 verses. A, 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 eight times. B, 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 eight times. They learnt to get the word. And if you look at verse 11, it says, I treasure your word in my heart. The authorized verse says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. They memorized huge passages of it deliberately because you couldn't always drag a huge Jewish scroll and say, oh, I'm tempted, what shall I do? I better check where it is. I'll never find it. It's in here. 
and in here. So it is carefully structured. But not just that, there's something else about this psalm that is even better structured. If you read each verse, you will find a reference to the Bible in there in some form. Watch this. Happy are those whose ways are blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. The law is a reference to the Bible. Happy are those who keep his decrees. A decree is where a king makes a a directive. And that is, again, another euphemism for the Bible or God's word. They also do no wrong. They walk in his ways. His ways is another reference to the Bible. Every single verse of this psalm is a direct reference to God's word somewhere in it. Verse 4. Can you spot the word? Somebody call out verse 4. What in verse 4 is a reference to God's word? Precepts. Exactly. Verse 5. Statutes. Yes. Which statutes are, are laws? Uh, six, commandments, yes, you've heard of the ten, but that's all of them. Seven, ordinances, and verse uh, eight, statutes. Every single verse. Now, some of them are in Hebrew, and one or two of the English translations, it's not so obvious. You've got to search a little bit deeper. But this book, or this psalm, tells us, hey, The Bible is important. So important is it that not only should we refer to it constantly, but you should learn it, memorize it, and then do it and act upon it. So we're going to study the Bible this morning, and we're going to look at how can we read it and how can we get through it in a year, all right? It's fairly straightforward. It's not going to be long. Well, it's going to take you a year, actually, but that's even, you know, you'll get round to it. Anyhow, that's, that's where we're at. So Psalm 119 sets us up very nicely for what comes ahead. Now, you can close the book and look at it. And you can look at the spine. What does this book purport to be? The Holy Bible. In fact, if you look inside, and you can open it now, and go to the first inside page, it tells you that this is the Holy Bible. I'm going to ask you to turn a few pages further forward, and as you do, I'm going to tell you, what if I tell you it's wrong? That's not true. Uh, Right. You're going to be a bit worried, I should think. If you come to the page XI inside it, you will read these words to the reader. This preface is addressed to you, that's you and me as readers, by whom? The Committee of Translators i.e., the Bible was not written in English. Paul did not speak with a Brummy accent. Moses didn't come from the Highlands of Scotland. And none of them spoke English because it hadn't been invented. The Bible was not given in English. This is a translation. The Bible was originally given in Hebrew, as we have just shared, for the Old Testament, a bit of Aramaic, and in Greek for the New Testament. 
And when you read that Bible, you need to be aware of the fact you're reading somebody else's language translated into English. And therefore, when you come to interpret, you need to be careful you understand the culture it was originally written for and why it was written and then how it could apply to us. Every word, of course, is translated faithfully. So don't think for a minute we haven't got the Bible in our hands. Yes, we do. But it is a translation. God originally gave it to people and he has handed it down to us. And we are inheritors of one of the best things in the world. Okay, that is what the Bible has been given to us for and to do. At this point, I was going to invite Lily Mai to come up and stand up. Unfortunately, she's not with us. And she was going to recite all of the verses, all of the uh, books of the Bible. Is there anyone here who can do that just out of interest and would like to volunteer to do so? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. What comes next? Yes, you've got it, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, and so on. But um, we're going to just look very quickly on the inside, and I want you to look at the contents of the Bible, and then we'll, we'll move on. But if you look at page V, where it says contents, just a little bit more about being familiar with the Bible, you will find that there's the Old Testament. And how many books are there in the Old Testament? 39, and in the New Testament, how many books are there there, counting fast? 27, because three times nine makes 27, all right? That's the way you remember it, 39, three times nine, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, written by 40 different authors, and one of the key things about it is that uh, it was written over a 1300, uh, a period of 1300 years, and yet it has been passed down authentically to us. Now, the amazing thing is that those books show us both what's called the Old Testament, how God dealt with Moses and Israel and picked out a special tribe. But in the New Testament, the peak of this book, it comes to Jesus, who was predicted hundreds of times in the Old Testament and appears in the New. And the New Testament gives a remarkable story And if you've never read through the Bible, start with the New Testament. That's a great place to get going. Anyhow, let me get behind the pulpit so we can just finish off as to summarize where do we go with this book, the Bible, and try and read it for ourselves and try and find our way through it. Have we put the slides up then? So it's actually a library of books 66 in all, as we've seen, and you can see that they fall into various categories. Five, law, 12, history, all the way from Joshua through to Esther. And then you've got five wisdom books, that would be Job, Psalms, um, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. And then you have five, what we call major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Daniel, and then, I've got them the right way around, Daniel and Ezekiel, I think, it's the right way around. Uh, And then you have got 12 minor prophets, as we call them, all the way from Hosea through to Malachi. So you see, it's 5, 12, 5, 5, 12 in the Old Testament, and there are different uh, types of books there to, to, to grasp. When we come to the New Testament, it's, it's a bit more concise, obviously. Four Gospels and the Book of Acts are the history 
the life of Jesus and the immediate follow-on of the apostles. And then we get 13 letters from Paul and then eight letters, what we call general letters, from people like Peter and John and James and so on. And then finally, the book of Revelation that takes us into the future and makes us look upwards and outwards. The key thing is that if we're going to read these, you need a plan. You need a strategy, a means of attack to get through it. How do you eat an elephant? One spoonful at a time, bit by bit. And you can eat an elephant. And this elephant isn't as big as it actually seems. Next slide, please. I've got one in front of me here. Here's a few ways of tackling it. Read the Bible daily. If you do a bit by bit, you'll get there. If you read three chapters every day and five chapters on a Sunday, you will get through the Bible in exactly one year. It works. And if you then read it daily, you're taking in a little bit at a time and you're not overwhelming yourself. But of course, more important than just that is, secondly, read it prayerfully. It is God's word. The Apostle Paul uh, wrote these words that the Thessalonians, when they got the gospel from Paul, they said, it's not the word of man, but as it actually is, the word of God. God speaks to us through his word, through this Bible. In fact, it is the only record that we have of absolute confidence of which God has spoken and left us. And so we therefore need to read it prayerfully because we're actually allowing God to speak to us. We in turn need to speak back to him and invite him to help us understand what he's saying to us and show us his way in our lives. Thirdly, read it with understanding. As I said, there are certain things in that Bible which aren't easy. There's things that have to do with the laws and practices of the tabernacle and the Levites and the temple, and it gets all very messy, killing animals and all that sort of stuff. Oh, all these vegetarians would be horrified. And there are all sorts of things in it that are really quite difficult to understand, and some shocking behavior. And how do you make sense of it? Well, if you go into Barry's study there, you will find that in front of you is this huge wall full of commentaries and books and helpful means to understand because you're not the first Christian who's walked on planet Earth. Honestly, somebody was there in front of you and some godly people have recorded insights into Scripture that are very helpful. I have got it in my hand here because you don't necessarily have to have the Bible in your um, pocket or in, 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 um, in book form. But on this uh, iPad here, I've got a copy of the Bible. I'm just going to press a button and uh, there suddenly it opens up. And um, in this, not only do I have the New International Version and original Greek, and you, know, you can stick anything into it, but actually what I've got when I press this button here, I have study notes beside it. There's a thing called the Study Bible, and many versions have it, that have study notes helpfully at the bottom or down the side of the pages. If you're reading your Bible, get a study Bible. You will learn so much more, and difficult verses start to fall into place. That's a great start, and you can get it for, I think that costs a fiver on your iPad, so 
It's well worth it. Um, so that's another helpful way. But understand uh, the Philippian. Um, uh, uh, sorry, Philip was 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 in the desert, and along came an Ethiopian eunuch, presumably on a huge carriage, and the eunuch was reading out from Isaiah chapter fifty-three, and Philip ran up and said, "Do you understand what you're reading?" And he said, "No idea. Who's this guy talking about?" And Philip then pointed him to Jesus. And so it's helpful to do it, not just uh, with books or not just with study guides, but share it with friends and share it with others in the church. Read it with understanding. Fourthly, try and memorize it. Read it from memory. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. When um, When I was converted... I was encouraged by other Christians to memorize the Bible. So I got scraps of paper and I wrote verses out, tucked them into my school blazer, and on the way up to school, I was always late, by the way, I was, would pick it out and try and read it and, and memorize it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only, only, only begotten son. <laughs> and uh, I, I then discovered a thing called the Navigators, who had already printed all of these verses out on cards and so you could buy all these cards and then you could take them to cards so they're all easy to read and do it that way. Any way you can. There's a scripture reader in the army or actually Air Force called Bob Elliott. Bob and Elliot and I met 45 years ago on a beach mission. Bob at that time was in the RAF and he was going to become a scripture reader. And he was setting about memorizing the entire book of Romans. And I think he was in chapter four by the time I met him. So I expect he finished it years ago, but he tried to memorize it. And there's a very good reason for doing so, which we'll come to in a few minutes. But it is important to try and embed it into your heart and life and memorize key bits, verses here and there. And of course, finally, read it all. What would happen if you got a beautiful card over Christmas from someone you love dearly and they'd written a long message inside? You'd open it, oh, it's from Esmeralda. Isn't that lovely? Close it and put it down. No, you would not. You would want to find out every detail and read it word from word and then read it again word from word. And so similarly, it's important to read it all. God's word is indeed his uh, love letter to us Next slide. But there are many schemes, and I've left some of them at the back, to encourage us to get through. And what I was encouraged to do when I was quite young was to get something like this one here. This is called oxygen, uh, and it's a simple tick chart, as what we call uh, in the army, we call it a chuff chart. And it gives an, New Test- an Old Testament reading in the morning and a New Testament reading in the evening. And you just tick each one off if you do it. Now, because it's old in the morning and new in the evening, you can take two years to do it. So you read the New Testament year one, next year you read the Old Testament year two, or you try the whole lot together. But either way, if you follow that through, you can do it in a year. There are many other guides. Uh, there's, there's another form of this here. And there's a thing that they produce uh, called oxygen, which is a diary with exactly the same readings, but somewhere to put notes. I've got one or two at the back. If you want me to get more, I can easily do so. There's no problem getting them. So let me know if you want more from those at the back. But any scheme, any method is helpful. And once you've got through the Bible first, you really suddenly realize how straightforward it is, in a sense, to read it again. 
My brother and I had a challenge to do it, and there was a third person called John who we um, uh, worked with in our, our church, and the three of us set a target to see who could read it fastest. After four months, John had completed it. Um, he's a vicar somewhere, and you'll not be surprised. But um, uh, it took us, Alan and I, it took about a year and a quarter, a bit more. But once you get through and get going, you realize not only do you understand what the words are, you see the context, and then when you've read the whole Bible through, you get what's called the 3D view. Many of you will come and quote me texts and I hear the text, and I know you've got it completely out of context because if you've read the whole Bible, you realize there's a verse there that actually explains this better. And if you take several verses together, you get the 3D view of what God really means. And that is so important. Any New Testament thought has an Old Testament antecedent that has an image that explains the New Testament much better. And if you haven't read the Old Testament, you're missing it. Therefore, read the whole lot. And I encourage you to follow that through. Well, that's just a couple of schemes. And as you can see, some of them are there on the board. Finally, just a simple picture and a simple truth about why we need to get the word into our hearts and memorize it as well. When the Lord Jesus Christ was in the wilderness, he was tempted by Satan. Now, do you think Satan gave up and has not tempted anybody ever since? I think you'll find in your daily walk, he's hanging around, as it says, like a roaring lion trying to catch us out. When Jesus was challenged, his answer to every prod that the devil poked at him was... It is written. Jesus staved off and defeated the devil by quoting the Bible back. He didn't say, hold on a minute, mate. Uh, just, just let me, just, just a minute, hold, hold on. It's in my iPad here somewhere. I'm sure I've got that verse somewhere. He knew exactly what the verse was because he'd read and studied and learned and memorized the Bible. That is what we need to do because you need to fight the evil one with the word. It's described as the sword of the spirit. And every time Jesus quoted, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees came and challenged him, he said, have you not read? It is written. He used the Bible to fight back error, uh, evil, and the wicked one, Satan himself. If we don't arm ourselves with the same equipment, we will fail. Hence, grab it. Through this you will grow. If Jesus depended on it, what would Jesus do? He would quote and read his Bible. Therefore, you and I at least must follow that wonderful example and do the same. I hope I've set you a challenge. I hope I've got you thinking about it. I hope that you feel encouraged to take some of the materials there. And if you want something further, do ask me or Barry. We'll be more than glad to share. And we'll be more than glad to accompany you on your journey, a journey through this coming year, so that by the end of 2019, that Christmas present that you won't miss is a completed Bible on your shelf and in your heart.